One of our listeners, Andrew Balonis, uh, barber extraordinaire. Our Can friend. I do that line again? No, one of our friends. I'm gonna find he out. He wondered if you were high last time. <laughs> really? Welcome to the Basketball Mood. This is a podcast about everything basketball. I'm Christian Urban with my brother Randy, and our third member of the team is Mike DiGiorgio. Chris, you ready to rock? I guess so. I stabbed my finger. What'd you do? The knife. Why? I was trying to open the nut. That was a butter knife? Yeah. Slid right through. Chris cut himself trying to open a walnut. Not serious, obviously, but it was just a little scary. Can you do the podcast? No, I'm injured. I'm going to go to bed. Chris is on on the injury. Put him on the IR. He's on the IR. Just like like Nurkic, you and Nurkic. I I don't want to talk about James Harden too much, but I just want Mike's opinion on on what he said about, uh, you know, the interview when he's like, I'm an elite leader and all that shit. Are we recording right now? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah, we're like, all, we've been recording. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. I I think it's I think <laughs> him saying that is just like kind of ridiculous. Like he's an elite player, no doubt. Elite leader, no. Elite teammate, no. They look pretty I good though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Kyrie's not there. That, I mean, the two of them were always going to work, right? Like they get to play a plus defender with them, as well as Joe Harris and a big man. And then when Kyrie comes, it's going to be three. How do they share the ball? You know, and they're in the honeymoon phase right now. Like, they score a ton. They also give up a ton. If Joe Harris doesn't have 20 last night, do they win? I don't know. Can you count on him to have 20 when Kyrie's back? It's uh, easy for people like us to just sort of, you know, judge on a whim. We don't know these guys. We just hear a little bit about what they do. I'm sure he does a lot of charity work. I, I know he does. I'm sure everybody does. Well, that said, when you call yourself an elite leader, after starting the season and then <laughs> saying, you guys all suck, you're not good enough. I think more more so than whether or not they were good enough, it was nine games in and they had been missing guys. They were hard and hadn't tried. Like, There's a distinct difference between him right now and him in his last six games with the Rockets. Like that, that's not debatable, right. really, is it? No. Why is it so hard for people to just apologize? I mean, that's what an elite leader would do. He would just say, you know what? Um, they took offense to what I said, and I can see how they would do that. And, you know, I probably was a bit wrong. Yeah. But He just know, denied like, defending why? them. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I know. That's pretty bad. I, like, but I think he's just trying to close the book and move yeah. forward. Yeah. But in, in the end, I think he sort of flame the fire a little bit more yeah yeah exactly yeah. fan the fire yeah totally flame the fire i like flaming the fire myself that, that that's <laughs> the wrong word <laughs> we'll edit that out <laughs> um let's 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 talk about something else okay because yeah. like we've had two podcasts now and they've all you, been about james harden you I'm want, tired. Yeah, no but i just want to talk about no i know it's just you know you can still be a person let's give let's give them a month and then we'll, we'll revisit because i think after a month you'll, you'll see them with kyrie there's going to be a lot more storylines and things to, to dive into. You can see some closing lineups. You can see some, you know, defensive matchups. I think that's that that will be more interesting than two games without Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, you want to talk about NBA rookies? Yeah, let's, let's talk. You know, they they've been playing for a month now. I like I like I think they're an intriguing bunch. Who's uh, who's impressed you the most? Okay, so top three. Let's let's start with Lamelo. I think Lamelo's. Easily the most talented. 
Obviously, he has some flaws. I don't think there was ever a question of his talent, but people questioned his shooting. People questioned his ability to, you know, not turn the ball over. And I think he's silenced the critics a little bit. Um, he's shooting the ball pretty well. He leads rookies in pretty much every category. Um, but his, like, his passing level is just elite. Um, he's throwing passes to guys that are just in the upper echelon of distributors of the NBA, Yeah, I would say. Yeah, the peripheral vision is uh, off the charts. I have not seen a player pass like that. Coming out the yeah. gate, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. different. And, and I mean, when you watch him, I think he just looks like a good player. Like when you, when you just, you don't even need to know the numbers. Like I think the eye test, he passes the eye test. Like he's a little bit quicker than everybody else. He has long arms. He can jump. You know, he makes good plays. He understands where people are in the court. Like he has that feel of a good player. Um, whether or not he can keep it up for a full season in his rookie year, who knows? But I think Charlotte is doing a good job because A, they're not starting him. So he's not getting the keys to the to the car right away. Um, so he's, you know, they're in a three-guard lineup some of the time with Devontae and, and Scary Terry. But um, I think he has a lot of upside and they're letting him develop a little bit by not giving him complete control of their offense, which I think might be a bad spot for a rookie at this point. Well, shouldn't they start him though? Like why wouldn't no, he think, play? Think... Why wouldn't they go three guards or even bring Terry Rozier off the bench? Who's kind of a gunner, right? Like I, I know the, you've paid Terry Rozier. Does matter? Maybe for his development. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe he's still playing a good amount of minutes. Okay. But then you know, what like do you, he's... for sure. But then what do they're, you do? They're splitting the minutes. They're splitting the minutes pretty well between, between all the guards. So whether or not he starts is maybe relevant, maybe not. You know, does he end games? Sometimes, if he's playing well, I think he ends games. But with how you're saying he is as a player, you're going to get into a situation where you're going to need to make a decision, right? You can't play, unless you want to play all three of them, 40 minutes or 35 minutes. So right now, Rozier, 33 minutes a game. Devontae Graham, 33 minutes a game. Lamella Ball, 25 if you and to be honest, that's a that's a good split between those guys. But who's the odd man out eventually then? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, they, they might end up playing all three guys together, depending. And and if one guy has to sit, maybe it's Devonte. Maybe they ride the hot hand. Whoever's got it going that night, you know, Charlotte's competitive. They have a decent record right now. You know, they're six and eight. They're in it. I wouldn't say they're out of it. They don't look the worst out of some of the teams that we thought were going to look bad. Hayward has looked good. Does he live up to his contract? I don't know, but he's looked good. He looked real good. They're feisty. <laughs> They're feisty, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so you and I spoke um, before the draft, and uh, you were worried about LaMelo Ball initially. You thought, let's trade the... F- I don't know, i put you out on Front Street here, but you said, if I had you know, any top pick here, I would trade it because there's just so much uncertainty with all these guys. But you also did say that LaMelo Ball had, could have the lowest floor and the highest ceiling. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah. I, and I still think that's the case. Like, his floor is low because, you know, he might end up not being able to shoot, high turnovers, not a great defender. That's, that's the floor of him. But his ceiling now becomes an elite distributor, a guy who you know, shooting 45 and 34 from three, that's not bad. That's scary Terry range. He's in that, but he's also six, eight and six, can seven. make passes that Sorry. six, seven. Yeah. I stand corrected. Uh, can make passes <laughs> that nobody else can make. I think on that roster. It's yeah. weird because they list him at six, six and some things. 
Uh, most people think he's 6'7", but then they say he's 6'8", in the broadcast. It's, I don't know how tall he is. I'm 5'11", but I feel 5'3". <laughs> Mike, you keep saying scary Terry. Terry Rozier, you want him to be better than Terry Rozier, do you not? Like, that's why you drafted him number three. Yeah, but not this year. Okay. Not, but not this year. I'm, I'm strictly talking this year. If you're, if you're projecting forward, yeah, he has a way higher ceiling than that. I'm just talking about specifically in this season. You know what he reminds me of a little bit? They'll inbound the ball to him, and he'll kind of just like play with the ball on the first couple dribbles. It reminds me a little bit of Jason Williams, who was just out there. Yeah, he has that flair. Yeah. He has that flair for sure. I guess I'll just say that I don't really see him playing like anybody else or bringing the ball up like anybody else in the league right now. Maybe a little bit of Kyrie. Yeah, he looks different. Yeah. He looks different. He does look different than everybody else, and that's intriguing to me. The ball's on a string. I, I find it amazing, his handle. He's six seven, and uh, you know he has a little bit of a higher dribble at times, but is so like yeah. glued to his hand. It's incredible, and the the vision is like magic to me. It's good. I, I like it. Let's pump the brakes a little on there. I know you no, like but, it, Mike, but no, what the peripheral vision? That's yeah. a that's no, a real got, skill that many people, the majority of people, don't have. Right. He doesn't have to do a quick look and then look that other way. He just sees out the side of his head. And nobody knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. No, I like him. I like him. I just don't like generally uh, liking him to sort of somebody like Magic, you know, 13 games well, into his but career. But we're not talking about, he's not a champion. No, we're I know. just talking I about know. what he reminds you. Yeah. Hey, your first question when you sent this to me was, who does he remind you of most? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I said Jason Williams. You said Magic Johnson. There's well, a big difference. I, I'm talking about the vision, the vision itself. You yeah. know, when you see Magic, he wasn't, you know, he was just incredible. I mean, right now he has a 2.9 assist to turnover ratio, leading the team. Um, Is that good? <laughs> very good. That's oh, actually, I stand corrected. Devontae Graham leads the team with a yeah. 5.3 that's just a turnover ratio, which is very good. But he makes up for it for missed shots. He's shooting 25%. He <laughs> but can we talk yeah. about his shot, though? Uh, really interesting the shot? Yeah. He's a, he, he needs to be balanced when he shoots it. He needs to have two feet on the ground uh, with his shoulders facing the rim. Doesn't shoot it well off the move. Mike, Mike he's and balanced. His feet are slightly wider apart. And what I, I think is really interesting, he has that perpetual bounce in his knee and he doesn't have to jump high for a jump shot he can just really get that off quick his knees are always yeah, he has, he has bent a, yeah but you don't he, think he's he, he, balanced well no he is i'm yeah. saying he needs to be balanced to make it so the one right. where he's on the move okay. and he's yeah. catching it um i think he struggles with right because uh, he's always played with the ball in his hand so it's a little bit tougher to shoot it off the move um right. and you know we'll, we'll see at the end of this year can he keep up his shooting? If he can keep up his shooting, he's going to be he's going to be pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. I just have one question though. Do you think his shot has to change a little bit? Do you think no. it has to come to the he, right a little he just bit? He needs to learn how to shoot it properly. Just just shoot it the same way every time consistently. I disagree with that philosophy, but I understand it because you can shoot like Marcus Camby, like a launch pad and it'll go in, but I still think you have less Room for error when you have a more fundamentally sound shot. Okay, yeah. I, I agree with well, that. What's but wrong with his shot right now? Okay, well, what's wrong is that he Just brings the ball. It. No, but I'll play both sides of the fence here. Like, I agree with you, Mike. He's perfected a, a, a certain technique that is sort of, you know, on the fringe of shooting. I've tried that technique where you bring the ball through the face and then up. But oftentimes, I couldn't control the direct trajectory of my arm on the follow-through. 
And But what he does is he sort of has the ball in that pocket close to his chest. So that ball does not have to travel a long way and curve diagonally up the body. It just sort of sits there and goes straight up over his face. So, I mean, I can see a guy who's mastered that um, continuing with that and finding success with it. And, and the support hand, too, is the elbow's out. But that's good. I mean, people are talking about how he shoots with two hands. It's, it looks like he shoots with two hands, but I'm telling you, when that support hand elbow is out... It allows that shooting and to do 99% of the work and, and do its job like it should rather than getting in the way. So that's what I sort of like about a shot. I can see where maybe people would say, yeah, like he's got to change it. But at the same time, Mike, what you're saying, I mean, if he just perfects that a little bit more, um, I think he could be good. Yeah, consistency, I think, is the key for him. Shoot it the same every time. Yeah, shoot it the same. Why don't you shoot it the same properly every time? There's a reason why not everybody shoots the same. It, it has to do with the, the way you can bend your arms, the yeah. way, you know, however you can do it unconsciously because it's not a conscious decision to do what you're doing, right? Like you, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a learned skill that you just develop that habit. Yeah, but you can break it down to its most fundamental cores, right? You can sit Definitely. there and Definitely. put your elbow at a 90 degree angle and rise up every time, up, down, up, down, and just do that all the time. Eventually, you're going to change your shot if you work at it, right? Clyde Frazier um, said in the broadcast the other day that, you know, you see all these big men shooting threes now, and they're making them because they're practicing, they're not practicing yeah, twos. Sure. So you can practice and get better fundamentally. And I, I just reject the notion that you should just stick with it. You should just stick with that, that, you know, look, why did, why did Lonzo change his shot? It, well, wait, it kind of looked, looked like Mike, Lamello's. Well, do you think Lonzo's no. was worse than Lonzo's Lamello's? Was way worse because it was on the other side of his, it was on the other side of his body. Yeah. So he, right. he, he, like it wasn't coming up through the, through the shooting pocket. It was, it was right. like completely outside of the shooting pocket. Right. So I think that's what he changed, and now he's you know he's shooting it better now. But if but if all these kids are practicing what Steph Curry did, if they all grew up like watching the greatest shooter of all time shoot, then why not follow through like the greatest shooter of all time? Why not put your elbow in the proper position? Why not get that proper release? Well, I the think proper uh, the elbow's going to do what it wants, but that shooting hand, if you're right-handed, you've got to just sort of like trust that your brain knows what it's it's doing and and I think ideally the ball going up on the right if you're a right-handed shooter going up along the right part of the chest and straight up is sort of ideal. Yeah. I struggle to get too technical with this because everybody shoots differently. So whether or not like not everybody shoots the same as Ray Allen, but you can be a good shooter. Like Steph Curry and Ray Allen are complete opposites. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be some things that are similar, but they they're complete opposites in how they shoot and then both of them are good shooters. Like so I struggle with the technicalities of it. Like obviously some things have to be there, you know, elbow underneath the ball, um, you know, shoulders at the rim, shoulders facing the rim, getting square, balance, that type of thing. You know, we, he's also only played 14 games and, you know, maybe we should check him out after 72, you know, and see and see where that is. And he goes into the off season and now he has a different outlook on things and he knows what he has to work on. One of the things that Nick Nurse said, in the coach's open house that the Toronto Raptors organization put out virtually was that he thinks the biggest mistake that coaches make is not teaching shooting and where I that, agree. you know, where that starts and finishes, you know, if they get to the NBA, maybe you tweak a few things, but can you break a guy's shot down from the beginning when he gets to the NBA or is he too far gone? But I'll, I'll remember Landry Fields who couldn't shoot because of that nerve injury with his right elbow. But I saw him shoot left-handed and bury three after three after three while warming up. So you can break it down 
to its lowest form and build up from there. Yeah. It's hard to change something that you have to figure out. So when you're playing a game, it's, you always revert back to what mm-hmm. you know best. Mm-hmm. In practice, it's easier to change because there's time and you can actually actively think about it. But when you have the ball and your guy jumps under the screen and you have a split second to shoot the ball, you're going to revert back to what you what's habitual mm-hmm. with your shot. And that so comes you back have to, to practice. make that habit. Right, and that yeah, comes back sure. to practice, right? For sure. Another mistake coaches make is when you're grade nine and they tell you to call the pick and you don't know what that means. Um, They scream at you until you can feel the spit on the back of your neck. Oh, sorry. Does that come from personal experience? (laughs) That's going to be in my memoir. (laughs) Chris had a little bit of one. Were you the one that got spit on or the one doing the spitting? No, no. I was was like 5'10". I was being spit on. You were 5'10 in grade 9. You were 5'5 or something. Oh, yeah, that's story, yeah. In the future, we should talk about um, coaching experiences as players. Yeah, that is going to be a great topic. But we'll get to him in there. Jeff, Jeff, Mike. Jeff, Jeff's got a lot of, <laughs> lot of the gripes with how he was treated in high school basketball. Our yeah. friend Jeff Tool, who's hopefully listening. We got to name names that day. We got to name names. <laughs> I'm keeping it at Coach X. <laughs> okay, next rookie. Who do we got? Rand. Who do you like? Tyrese Halliburton for me. Like if you were to decide, okay. if you were to decide. Wait, so he's the one that's impressed you the most? Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton can play. Oh, and and Maxie. I like that Maxie kid. So it's a toss-up. Those are my three favorite players. It's funny because Halliburton is completely opposite of LaMelo. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, he's completely opposite. Now, he's got an ugly shot, but it goes in. I know. He's, He's solid. Can't these kids just learn how to shoot properly? Like, where's this pandemic coming from? The shooting pandemic. I think we know that Ball's dad was a terrible shooter. (laughs) I mean, Tyrese is shooting 51% from three right now. Yeah. You know, on four threes a game, which is, you know, really good. Unfortunately, the Kings can't guard anybody. He's literally the only one on the team, I think, that plays defense, him and Rashawn Holmes. So are those your top three? Third on my rookie rankings is sort of fluid, but I, I really like Patrick Williams for Chicago. He's, he's less flashy, but I think he has a really high ceiling, his physicality, his athleticism. He's shooting it way better than he, than anybody thought. So who, so and who's he, your number one then you, if you're redrafting, Lamello. you're going mellow number two. Yeah. Is it Halliburton or Maxi or probably Halliburton three. If I was, if I was projecting out, I might have to take Anthony Edwards at three. Really? He, because only because like, He's shown that he can score. Now, he's also an actor. Minnesota. That's a different guy. <laughs> I think there's plenty of Anthony Edwards in the world. There's a, there's a few. Um, the, the one who plays for the T-Wolves, though, he, let's say he was on Golden State instead of Wiseman, and he has Draymond in his ear, and he has Steph Curry in his ear. I think he's better. I think he's better. Like Minnesota is not a good team for him to go to. He takes bad shots. You know, His motor isn't great, but so does everybody on that team. So, like, to compare him to the other guys who are in solid situations, I think is a little bit different. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I see it. I think his skill level is very high. There was something about him not liking basketball, though, or it not he being said his... something. He said something before the draft about, you know, he's doesn't really like to watch basketball. He's not only about basketball. Yeah. You and, know, that, and, that was the gist of it. And I like his personality. I think he's, you know, the things that have come out, uh, what he said, and I, it seems like an engaging guy, and I think he's going to be a fun player to follow. Uh, my personal preference is to have somebody, if at that level, 
you know, the reason why guys stay in the league is their obsession with getting better. And I, and I just hope he has that because he has all the tools, right? You know, I hope like guys like D'Lo and, and, and Towns can, can help him mm-hmm. with that. He needs some veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Like these guys need veteran leadership. And I think Wiseman is going to get better because he has that veteran leadership. When I watched Towns the first year or his second year come into Toronto and I, I would watch the pregame warm-ups oh, at yeah. the game, he was... Future Hall of Famer, yeah, according to was, you. <laughs> that's what I said. I said, this guy is clinical with his pregame routines, his effort, putting up shots, how he was, you know, carrying himself. And I thought, wow. And then fast forward a few years later... You know the team's kind of toiling in in obscurity. They're not. They don't know where what their identity is. And his pregame routine was just not as involved. It was a little lackadaisical. He just didn't seem to care as much. And I, yeah. I was concerned about that definitely. So I hope that that's turned around. And 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 you're right that Edwards has you know guys around him that said, hey, you know it's it's this way. This is how you got to be. I mean, I, it's, it remains to be seen though. So let's uh, go into who's underwhelmed you guys the most um, in the draft. Mike? This is a hard topic for me because, you know, where they get picked, there's certain expectations. And I hate that because it's not their fault. If somebody's a second pick as opposed to the 14th pick, you know, there's different expectations for them on the whole. But I don't think that that's helpful for them. Um, So I'm going to go with a guy like Killian Hayes right now. Obviously, he's injured, but pre-injury... He was shooting the ball poorly. He didn't show much, you know, moxie in the pick and roll. He wasn't finding open looks. He wasn't finding guys on, on for three. He wasn't finding guys under the net. He wasn't finding his own shot. So he was he was really struggling. So he's obviously a disappointment. And now with a, a bad hip injury, he may not play for the rest of the season. Um, a guy like Jalen Smith with Phoenix, he's also injured, but he wasn't put into a spot where he can really succeed all that well. And because they're good, they don't really need him. So maybe it's just a development year for him. So let's put him on the back burner a little bit. And I think the last guy, you know, Aaron Neesmith for Boston, they were down a bunch of guys and he still couldn't get minutes. Um, He had a great shooting year in his last year of college and he just hasn't been able to show that in the NBA yet. Um, So I think those are my three, the top three for me. I agree with what Mike's saying. I really want to see what Killian Hayes can be. I think he has the tools. Um, but the three guys that I'm kind of excited about are Sadiq Bey, who, Mike, you liked in the draft. Yep. And uh, Precious Achua. Yeah, he's, he's, he's perfect for Miami, for sure. Like he's, a, he's like Bam, exactly like Bam. And the other guy I'm excited to see is, is the Raptors guy, Malachi Flynn. I, I, think, I think all three of those guys can Outperform. I mean, Tyrese Maxey's obviously outperforming his his twenty one overall pick draft stock already. But I think those those three guys can really make a name for themselves. I agree with all of those. I'm going to add another guy into the Peyton Pritchard. You know, towards the end of the first the first round, uh, Boston wise. You know, he's had a good couple of weeks. Let's see if he can make it into a good season. Um, obviously, his his ceiling isn't so high. Like he's never going to be a superstar, but he could be he could be a solid player in the NBA. Just the way he shoots the ball, his toughness, defends, can get into the paint, passing. You know, he, he's, I think, a solid player all around. So draft your top three then. Go one, two, three. Redraft. 
Lamelo, Tyrese, and Anthony Edwards are my top three. So where does Wiseman sit for you? I wouldn't draft a big man. I think you can just get veteran bigs that are just better. Hmm. Like I, like big guys take so much longer. I like wings and and guys who can shoot the three. And you know Wiseman's probably five, six, seven in that range. You know that might be wrong, but that's just the way I see it. I see I see veteran bigs helping more than a rookie big at this point. Hmm. Now his ceiling might be higher. For sure. But does he ever reach his ceiling? I don't know. Who's who's your top three? I'm going to go Lamelo one, Halliburton two. I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to go Precious Achua. <laughs> he was in our Giants of Africa camps years ago. Being in the Miami Heat organization, I think he has a chance to be really good. Yeah, fair. We agree that Lamelo Ball should have gone number one. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And the, and the funny thing is the T-Wolves didn't pick him because they have D'Angelo Russell. You always take the best player in the draft. Basically. You have to. You have to. Because, because like, why, like, the fit of the rookie on your team doesn't tell you anything. It's not going to show, like, Minnesota had no chance of winning this year. So why not just take the best player and then figure things out afterwards? Exactly. Like, that makes no sense to me. Well, I'm most impressed by Anthony Edwards because he was on ER for years. And unimpressed, I cannot stand players yeah. that act entitled. Oh, did I take it another yeah, way? Not... <laughs> Have a drink, Chris. That'll, yeah. that'll make you more happy. Mike, Chris said, Chris said <sighs> that if we do get that root beer, what was that root beer company? Oh, yeah. Crazy Uncle. If we Crazy do get Uncle. Crazy Uncle I... root beer to sponsor us, he would still do the promo read oh, no, or I'm the doing commercial it. without having no, tasted it. And yeah. it would go something like this. Well, hey, listen, I don't drink. I think all drinkers are idiots. No, don't no, say <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't say that. But um, I do not drink, but my buddies love this drink, and I love root beer. And if I was going to drink, this would be the first drink I would have. Ooh, enticing, Ooh. right? Sounds spicy. <laughs> a couple of um, cold ones coming, herbs. A couple of cold ones. We got to get a couple of cold ones. So if there are any sponsors out there, we got some segments we need your help, your help with. I love root beer. I could really sell that product, even being a non-drinker. What's, what's your favorite root beer? Uh, give me a ranking. Give me a ranking. Top three. Mug. Mug one. A and W. Dad's two. And uh, no, that's too sweet. Boylan's. No, I mean I don't. Those are the only two because I can't stand the caffeine. Right. Not only does he not want alcohol, he wants nothing to do with caffeine. No, you don't I, drink coffee. No, I, I don't drink coffee. No, no. I don't drink coffee either, Mike. Man, I'm on. I'm on to like two, three a day. Okay, well, love it. I saw. Love it. I saw a Twitter feed. That's why you're the star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a Twitter feed that was horrifying, and it was just, it was just, how many cups of coffee do you drink? Be honest. And the responses were like six to eight cups, and then at midday I have a Dr Pepper. I'm like, what? One guy was like a pot and a half by, and then oh, I don't man. have anything past four. I'm like, what? I only drink espresso. I don't drink drip coffee, but you know, I love the taste. The caffeine doesn't even really affect me. I'll drink a, I'll drink one right before bed and fall asleep. No problem. It just, the taste of it is, is really good for me. So it's an acquired taste. It's like beer. Yeah. And wine. Yeah. Chris, I'm going to that like yeah. wine. <laughs> I'm going to settle with brewing frozen fruit and water. Uh, sounds this, fun, this eh? Is the big, this is the big nights that Chris has. Here. I think, actually, I'm going to, I'm not having Frozen any. pineapple in his water. Oh, God, it's amazing. Oh. Uh, Mike, when <laughs> I was. Oh. It's not very fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody once said, no good story started. So this one time, we were all having salads. 
Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All um, right, Mike. Good talk. Good talk. That's it then? Good talk. But right, like I never have time to talk about Michael Jordan. Are we ever going to make yeah. time for that? <laughs> no. Quick. I, <laughs> I, I really wonder if Mike actually watched, watched the documentary. Off season. You know off-season. that? <laughs> That's off-season content. I, I just want to say that you, my favorite player is what's his name again? Michael Jordan? No, the other guy right now, the most dynamic oh, player. Uh, Jamal. Yeah. Uh, John Morant. John Morant. John Morant. John Morant. Yeah. Yeah. John Morant. I read, though, that he initially, you know, felt like LeBron was the, the best player ever. But then when he watched that documentary about Jordan, he changed his mind. So I'll leave you with that. All right. Cool. Click. Um, Off-season content. Yeah. Click. Hold on to that thought. <laughs> All right, guys. Good talk, Mike. Okay. See you can have some time. water. Great talk, boys. See you next Great time. Great talk. See you, buddy. <laughs> Later, buddy. Bye, buddy. See you, buddy. Oh, wait. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> I just have one thing I want to say. Podcast is over. We, did, we didn't get to talk about Kyrie. <laughs> I was just thinking. One of you know, everybody's watching that video, and the thing that gets into my head is, what's that next family gathering going to be like? <laughs> and you know, Kyrie doesn't yell, right? He's very sauceful. He's like, Mom, can you uh, pass the gravy, please? Thanks. So, um, who did it? <laughs> who snitched? <laughs> I'm ending this. <laughs> I'm going to find out if I'm it's the last this. thing I do on this damn flat earth. <laughs> He's in a mood. I'm in a mood. <laughs> this has been an Industry Valley Pictures production. <laughs>